Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Well, hello and welcome to the table. Glad you're tuned in with us. Here we are on a Monday morning. By the time you hear these words, it will be February, and we're already in our second month of the year. And I am sitting today in... Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the home of the Crimson Tide, and today's podcast guest is a student at the University of Alabama. I am with Braden Lazenby. Braden, welcome to the table. Thank you, and Roll Tide. Roll, I was, I was <laughs> going to ask you to do that, but you yes. didn't have to be prompted. <laughs> I don't. I have don't. You, not many people in Tuscaloosa have to be, so. Didn't figure they did. <laughs> um, have you been an Alabama fan all your life? No, that's a great question. I'm glad you said that. Um, I actually grew up a Tennessee fan because my mother is from Nashville, Tennessee, and my grandfather went to UT, my uncle went to UT, my aunt went to UT, Uh, my mom moved to Alabama to go to college. She went to Samford University and was told that she had to choose between Auburn and Alabama. She actually chose Auburn, (laughs) and now here we are. So my mom often jokes and says she gave me two shades of orange to choose from and I still chose Crimson, but I love the university. It's the best school in the world. I will gladly say that forever. I, I love Alabama. Do y'all speak to each other when <laughs> Alabama and Tennessee play? She has come up to several of the Tennessee-Alabama games, and unfortunately, Tennessee has lost both times she has come up. We do speak. I do get her to say Roll Tide occasionally, and I recently <laughs> taught her the fight song. If you don't know the Alabama fight song, it's very complicated. So she's been working on it really hard. I think it's been easier for her now that I've graduated Mm -hmm. to support Alabama. I'm not sure why, but I think she feels like because I got something so great out of it, a degree, she can finally support the Tide. So, you know, and she's good about cheering for the SEC in general. So, you know, it could be worse. Now, you've already completed one degree. What's your, yes. what, you completed a bachelor's degree. What was your bachelor's in? Yes, my bachelor's degree is in communication studies. So I was in the College of Communication and Information Sciences, and I specialized in interpersonal communication. So that's one-on-one communication, small group. I did a few classes on nonverbal communication, and I just think it's the most important topic in the world, especially now with technology and everything. Mm-hmm. I am also pursuing that in my master's degree program with an added health component to it. Okay. So. I feel under pressure now. <laughs> if you've got a degree in one-on-one communication and we're talking one-on-one, yes. oh my goodness, I'll do my best. Our professors <laughs> often joke with us and say that it will ruin your life. Mm-hmm. And I 
hate to say it, but it does sometimes make interpersonal communication a little bit harder mm -hmm. because I find myself thinking about things too much or analyzing things. But at the same time, it gives me some skills that a lot of people don't have or have access to. So, it, you know, it's got its pros and cons just like any yeah. major, but I really love it. But don't be afraid, you're doing great. Oh, thank you, okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it's not so much our communication sometimes mm -hmm. as it is our, and that this is a huge part of communication, mm -hmm. listening. Yes. Uh, one of the things, just doing this podcast mm -hmm. has revealed to me, especially if you go back and listen to the early episodes, I'm not that good a listener sometimes because you're often going ahead. Mm -hmm. What am I going to say? What's my response going to be? Yeah. And I've tried, I've asked God, help me be better at that, you know, to listen. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Yeah. And you're, you're planning on working on a doctorate degree as well. Yes, I have four more years to go. Well, some programs are three years, mm -hmm. so it just depends on what program I end up at. But I would love to stay in academia. I love higher education. Mm -hmm. And I have recently had the opportunity to teach public speaking as part of my graduate teaching assistantship. And my students just have my heart. It is kind of strange since they're so close in age to mm -hmm. me still, but I love teaching. So four more years to go and then I'll be Dr. Braden. So. Wow, that is <laughs> awesome. I look forward to the day. It's like, congratulations. Me too. <laughs> uh, now I feel doubly, double pressure because if you're in public speaking. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's been, it's interesting because a lot of students hate that class. Mm -hmm. They don't want to take it. Mm -hmm. They've been dreading taking it, but it is a required course for many of the mm -hmm. majors on campus. And students are terrified of public speaking. I mean, absolutely terrified, mm -hmm. which is something that, you know, we say in public speaking, it's not a matter of how nervous you are, mm -hmm. or it's not a matter of if you're nervous or not. It's a matter of how nervous you yeah. are. And I have truly seen that in my students. But it's so fun to see them at the end of the semester, they'll do a nine to 10 minute speech. And mm -hmm. to see them just get up and do it is, I mean, really amazing. It's something that a lot of students will never have the skill to do. Yeah. I've been speaking for over 40 years and I still get butterflies. Yeah. And that's a healthy thing to me. Yeah. Uh, you you picked the place where we we are eating, yes. where we just shared a, a meal, a brunch. Where did you pick? Uh, where are we today? So this is called Heritage House, and it is a Christian-owned, uh, I guess, little bakery, coffee shop. When I came to Tuscaloosa, I asked around a few people where where I should go mm -hmm. to study, where I should go to eat, and everyone pointed to Heritage House. And my freshman year, this was the only one. So this is the first one. But now as a fifth year student, I hate to say fifth year, but as a grad student, now there are three locations, I believe. But this one is just so cozy. I love it. People do Bible studies here. There's a prayer wall. I don't know if you thought I, that I when you came that. in. Yeah. Um, and so it's just such a great atmosphere. We'll come here and uh, grab a scone, grab some tea or coffee, and stay a while to study. What, what did you have today? So I had a maple pecan scone mm. with some roasted almond tea. It is my favorite. I also love the um, baked oatmeal. It mm -hmm. is also a go-to, but the tea in particular is my favorite. It is my go-to. It's a local brand called Tea Town, T-E-A, but you know, Tuscaloosa, <laughs> Tea Town. So, roll uh, Tide. Roll Tide, <laughs> yes. You can't get away from it, especially in Tuscaloosa, but it is my favorite, although I have a lot of favorites here. So. Okay. And I had the... Uh, Caprese stuffed mm -hmm. avocado. And it looked amazing. It was, it was great. Yeah. A lot of avocados. So. I always get nervous when I suggest places to people that it's going to be bad or that something's going to happen. So 
I'm glad you liked it. I ate liver at the last <laughs> podcast, and it, it was an accidental, uh, and, and it was good. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great. Um, it's interesting. I you participated in the Miss Alabama yes. contest last summer. Yes. And I knew that you did uh, because of your mom. Anytime mm -hmm. you're involved in any kind of pageantry, there's posts about that. I have the on, best on support media. network. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought at the time, I, it was the week leading up to that, I thought, I need to talk to Braden. Whether she wins mm -hmm. or not, this would be uh, a wonderful conversation yeah. at the table because it's I'm not familiar with this world um, I attended this past weekend and again it was almost uh, by God's happenstance before we had, we don't we already had, were scheduled to talk but I attended the distinguished young women of Alabama event last weekend which used to be junior miss you were telling me yes and it was absolutely amazing uh, I was just the well-roundedness of of that pageant and some of the things the girls were challenged to do. And uh, it was eye-opening for me and I enjoyed it. How many events have you participated in? Um, it depends. So I, Distinguished Young Women, you can only do once. Okay. So that is a senior in high school. I did that, uh, golly, I guess the summer before my senior year. I okay. won my county program. It was my first experience with pageantry, although in Distinguished Young Women, we say that it is not a pageant, it is a scholarship program. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, I categorize it as my first pageant-like experience. So okay. I won my county, went on to the state program, and was second runner-up. And I ended up winning $6,400 in scholarships and thought, you know what, wow. I'm actually okay at this. Wow. Maybe I should keep going. And I had a dear friend from Prattville who had competed in both DYW and the Miss Alabama organization. She suggested that I try out Miss Alabama preliminaries. So she started helping me out. I competed in five preliminaries before winning my sixth one. Is that right? Wow. Um, and that was Miss Birmingham. Wow. And so you were Miss Birmingham. Yes, that was my okay. first year. So that was in 2017. And then um, went on to compete in Miss Alabama. And then I won Miss St. Clair area the next year. And then my last year was Miss Leeds area. So I've competed in Miss Alabama three times. Okay. But there have been some preliminaries scattered here and there. So you can participate at another pageant and not necessarily be from that area. Yeah, it depends on the preliminary. So, for instance, Miss University of Alabama, you have to be okay. a UA student. Uh, there are some local preliminaries that you have to be from certain area codes or certain counties. Uh, but unfortunately, there were not any in my area mm -hmm. at the time. And then, I guess my second or third year, Miss Tri-County became a thing. But unfortunately, I had already won titles, so I did okay. not compete. But I loved getting to know other counties and areas. I particularly loved the Jefferson County, Shelby County, mm -hmm. and St. Clair County because that's where all of my titles were. Mm -hmm. And I'm mean, just the best people. Okay. Getting to know different people is really special. And that's just my hometown, Birmingham. It's where I was really? born. Okay. Yeah. And I uh, went to school in Shelby County, so I'm very familiar yes. with the area up there. So how did you first get involved with this uh, back in uh, your senior year in high school? Yes. What, what drew you to this? Well, it's... I would say it's a really big deal in Prattville specifically mm -hmm. is the Distinguished Young Women program. 
And for some reason, a lot of people at our church at First Baptist competed, and mm-hmm. we have a lot of winners from our church. So I had always kind of grown up around it, but okay. I wasn't really sure that pageantry was my thing. I was more of a four-wheeler girl, or, <laughs> you know, I fixed up old cars with my dad. So. I didn't really think about pageantry very much, but my dance teacher really encouraged me to do it, and I had a blast. It really is one of the best experiences that you can have. I would be willing to say that most pageant girls would say the same thing. Um, and so after that, it just kind of went from there. So. Okay. So the very first pageant you participated in, you won. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, where, like, you know, you, last summer you were in Miss Alabama. Yes. What is the? What are some of the accolades that you, I mean? What pageants have you won, yeah. or maybe you were first runner-up, second runner-up, or any of those other titles? Yeah. So I was events. very fortunate to place in every preliminary that I competed in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I competed in Miss Tuscaloosa, Miss University of Alabama, several times mm-hmm. before winning Miss Birmingham. Okay. Uh, but at Miss Alabama, my first year, I was a top 12 finalist and also won the Nora Chapman Interview Award, which is the highest interview award, okay. which was shocking. I actually had no idea what the award even was because they call it the Nora Chapman. And I was just thrilled to make the top 12 my first year. And mm-hmm. my director called me after Miss Alabama and said, Braden, I don't think you understand what just happened? And I was like, oh yeah, I made top 12. This is awesome. I'm a newbie. Woo-hoo. And she was like, no, Braden, you beat everyone in interview. I mean, that's amazing. And so I was just really, really fortunate to walk away with that as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second year, I came back and won Miss St. Clair area and was a top 12 finalist. And then my third year as Miss Leeds area, uh, I was also a top 12 finalist. So could never break the top five, but Miss Leeds area holds a very special place in my heart. All of them do. Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't say that. But Miss Leeds area is specifically special because Miss Leeds has more Miss Alabamas than any other preliminary title. Really? So Miss Leeds is a fun title to hold because everyone in Leeds knows you. And that was something that I didn't experience in Birmingham mm-hmm. or St. Clair area. I would walk around in Leeds and people would stop me and say, you're Braden Lazenby, you're Miss Leeds area, aren't you? And so that's just an honor in itself to have people know who you are when you're uh-huh. walking down the streets or even in the program books for Miss Leeds to see my name beside so many other successful Miss Alabamas. Um, and unfortunately, I never won Miss Alabama, but to even be in the ranks of some of those women is really special. Wow. And she- I ended up winning, let's see, I guess I should say this too, to promote the scholarship aspect, I ended up winning a little over $10,000 from Miss Alabama. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now you say you won that interview award. Was that a one-on-one interview or were you with the judges or was that an on-stage interview? So that was for our 10-minute private interview. 10-minute private interview. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, Through doing all of this, what has God taught you about yourself through pageantry? Uh, There's so much. I I was thinking about this uh, because I knew generally the context of what this podcast was about. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, I've been... I guess in the pageant realm for five years now and now that I'm retired as we lovingly call it how are you uh, well <laughs> I'm <laughs> Just almost 23 23 23 and retired but, folks that's yes, right retired um, but it's interesting reflecting back on all mm-hmm. the things I've learned and I think one of the biggest things is how to lose mm-hmm. um, And, you know, there are so many times where we might be told no in life, Mm -hmm. and it's just devastating. 
uh, but you have to learn to be happy for the other person. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things in Miss Alabama is that, like I said, it took me six preliminaries to win. Okay. And so it took me six or five no's and cheering for that girl and knowing, you know what, I have to pick myself up and do this again next weekend. Mm -hmm. And there are girls that it takes them 30 preliminaries, 50 preliminaries to win one. Wow. And those are really the most inspiring because they are told no time and time again. But backstage, every girl says, well, it's a different panel of judges. You never know, mm -hmm. you never know. And one of the things that is hammered into pageant girls is that it's so subjective. Mm -hmm. to the five people that are standing in front of you. And I think that reflects a lot on the world too, is mm -hmm. that it doesn't matter what the world says about you. It doesn't matter what, you know, that job interviewer thinks of you. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, you're performing on a stage for one, mm -hmm. and whether or not you win a crown after that, it doesn't really matter because you're getting a crown in heaven afterwards. Right. Um, and it's hard to stand on stage and be told that you're not good enough, yeah. especially in a world that does that to us constantly. But it's been one of the biggest blessings uh, to be able to face that over and over again, because then when you get that yes, it's so much more special. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I heard, I don't know who I heard this from. Uh, it may have been Bob Goff. Uh, who said if, if God were a judge on the voice, his mm -hmm. chair is already turned toward you. Yes. And uh, you just said you're performing for an audience of one. Mm -hmm. And that's important to know mm -hmm. everywhere we go, yes. whether you're on stage or not. What has God taught you about himself through this process? Oh, yeah. I think you... Every girl goes through this when they perform in pageantry and they say, you know, my first year I tried to be this person mm -hmm. because she won and she was awesome. My second year I tried to be this person because they were different and edgy. And then as girls compete, you realize how different we all are. Mm -hmm. And although we're all in one area competing for a pageant in the same areas and you might be a dancer just like the other girl or a singer, you realize that your best self really is the person that God made you to be. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that there are some things that I love that other people don't love, kind of like what we were talking about with my sweatshirt earlier, sweatshirt. Yeah. Uh, the Nathan Powell comics. Some people don't get it and that's mm -hmm. fine, but that's something that brings me joy. And for some reason, God gave me that sense of humor and that's what I I get to present to the judges um, and that's what God made me to be mm -hmm. and so it's interesting because I like to paint God as, as this crazy artist that just has the most unique personality and I I can kind of relate to that and I can kind of you know see how he created me to be that unique and quirky person because he wanted me to be not because anybody else wanted me to be mm -hmm. yeah I mean he is the creator yeah and he has not stopped creating. No, <laughs> and still, uh, we're all so different, yeah. still. I mean, when Jesus, before he left his disciples, he mm -hmm. says, you know, uh, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Well, he's been working at that for 2,000 years. Yeah. And that's, that's quite a, uh, a decor, uh, creative job that he's working on right now. Yeah, so yeah, he's made us in his image and uh, part of that image, we bear the image of a creator. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to, to be able to express, uh, express ourselves through mm -hmm. creations, so that's a good insight there. I want to ask you this, how has the staged you mm -hmm. helped you become the real you? Oh man, I, I tell my students and I've actually had professors tell me this as well, to never self-handicap yourself. Mm -hmm. So that means when you are about to present a project, never say something like, 
well, I didn't have time to prepare it the way I wanted it to, or never say, this probably isn't going to be that good. And I think on the stage, you fake it till you make it. If you mm -hmm. fall down, you get back up and you pretend like nothing happened. I have forgotten dances on stage. I have tripped on stage. I have said the dumbest things on stage, but you just pretend like nothing happened. You smile, you wave, and you get off the stage, and that's it. Yeah. Another day, another set of judges. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, and I think it's taught me so much, not to fake it, mm -hmm. but to do your best, and the best is all you can do. And if your best is to fall down or say something dumb, then it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and so I tell my students that all the time because it never fails. They say, I'm not prepared. I didn't practice enough. It's not going to be long enough. And I say, no, 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 no. We're not doing that today. Mm -hmm. You're going to pretend like you've practiced it and you're going to do your very best and your best is what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you that I probably won't even notice that you haven't practiced it enough or that it's not long enough because you're presenting your best self. And that's mm -hmm. what I want. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus told a story about three guys that were given talent. Mm -hmm. And of course, we all are given talent. And the two guys who tried, mm -hmm. they heard, good job, you know, well done. Right. Uh, but the one who didn't try mm -hmm. uh, was afraid and was not willing to take the risk. He just didn't try. He actually yeah. talks about it. he buried it. And that was the one that did not come out on the good side of, of uh, favor in mm -hmm. the story. Um, how has the real you been vulnerable on stage? Mm -hmm. I, I think I knew this coming in. Distinguished Young Women doesn't require a platform. Mm -hmm. However, the Miss, Amer Miss America organization does. Mm -hmm. And uh, my father passed away from a heart attack when he was 44. And so when wow. we were looking at things to do for a platform, it was clear that I should do the American Heart Association. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a no-brainer. And starting to talk about that was so difficult um, because it's kind of taboo to cry in an interview or get emotional. Um, and I can talk about it without getting emotional now, but telling that story over and over and over again was really challenging. And it's something that I'm so grateful for though because I was able to share my story with so many people. Mm -hmm. And I often get asked, why did you choose the American Heart Association? It's, it's so common. And I always say, well, that's why. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it shouldn't be that common. Uh, heart disease is actually the leading cause of death in men and women in the United States, and it's also 80% preventable. So why aren't we talking about it more? I mean, that's how I perceived it in my head. And so it was super vulnerable for me to put myself out there and talk about that on stage in front of everybody, or even in a panel of five judges. Uh, because it is so much part of my story and it's literally the reason why I'm, I was doing pageants in the first place was to earn that money for to go to college mm -hmm. and so I knew what had to be done but also I had a heart for it and I wanted to show that and mm -hmm. every girl feels that about their platform most girls do have a personal connection to their platform and you do have to be vulnerable because you want to seem genuine and you want to show the judges that as Miss Alabama or even as Miss Leeds area or Miss Birmingham you are going to do your best to actually promote that platform throughout mm -hmm. the year. Yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm drawn to words, and redemption is a huge word for me. It's fourth redemption's table. But another word that I'm drawn to, and because of the reality of it, is the word broken. Hmm. And we live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world, and that brokenness in the world touches every one of us. And eventually, 
it will find us at some yeah. point. You had that happen to you relatively early in your life. How old were you when your I father died? I was 15, so I had just gotten my driver's license, actually. Um, and it kind of seems surreal now because it'll be year eight in May. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I tell people every year May 1st is the worst day ever, and it, mm. it never it never changes how long it's gone. Mm-hmm. May 1st is always like my little dark day. And with that being said, I had the opportunity to be an intern for the American Heart Association. I raised over $20,000 for the Miss America, Miss Alabama, what am I trying to say? The <laughs> American Heart Association. Mm-hmm. And my thesis is actually about heart health right now. Okay. And so I never thought that I could have such a voice for something that I cared so much about. And to learn that as a 14 or 15 year old is really special, although it was the worst at the time. I mean, it was a really dark time, but to be able to feel like I made something out of it, I think helped me heal in ways that a lot of people don't have the opportunity to do. Yeah. One of the greatest lessons I, I learned through a season of brokenness is this truth, what God allows, Mm-hmm. He redeems. Yes. Uh, and there's a caveat to that. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear me say it often. What God allows, He redeems if what He has allowed is surrendered to Him to redeem yeah. it. And you've seen evidence of that in your life. I have, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I also believe God is uh, continually sending surprises yes. our way. But, <laughs> but His surprises may not necessarily be in the places we are looking for them. Yeah. or in the places that we are asking for them. Yes. Where have you found that to be true? Um, well, like I mentioned, I am retired from pageantry, mm-hmm. and this past year has been really unique because last year was a really difficult year for me because I was a master's student and an undergraduate student at the same time. Okay. So I was taking seven hours of graduate classes, <laughs> which nine is full-time, and nine hours of undergrad classes. Wow. On top of that, I was Miss Leeds Area, which is a very uh, prominent title in the Miss Alabama organization. I think I did, oh man, I should have looked this up before, but I probably did an average of, oh, I don't even know, maybe two appearances a week in Leeds. I was driving to Birmingham two to three times a week to dance. I was studying for current events. I was doing grad school. and. It was a really challenging time in my life, and mm-hmm. I was debating whether or not to compete again in the Miss Alabama organization. But I decided to give it my all this last year's Miss Leeds and see where it took me. So mm-hmm. after I graduated in May, I moved in with my dance teacher and her family to be in Birmingham to train every day, and I didn't even break the top five. And I told myself if I made the top five, I would do it one more time. And if I didn't make the top five, then I would be done. Right. And so to have that decision made right there on stage was very emotional. Um, but it was such a blessing because I was so overworked last year. It was a very challenging year. And not to mention a lot of changes have been coming up in the Miss America organization, some questionable leadership and the values of that leadership. Mm -hmm. And it really was a blessing to go ahead and let that go, even though I have so many great memories from it. Uh, So this year I've had the opportunity to focus on my master's thesis, Mm -hmm. which like I mentioned is about heart health. Mm -hmm. And that has been so special because I've gotten to talk to 16 participants who have had heart attacks, strokes, heart defects, 
talking about their own healing process and mm -hmm. how they've coped. And I've been applying for doctoral programs, and I had no idea where I wanted to go, but I had the opportunity to go to Baltimore, Maryland in November. And the easiest way to describe it is sorority rush, where you go around to all the different programs and you talk to them, and fell in love with uh, three programs. So I applied to three, but I have my eyes set on one, but I'm not going to say it out loud because no. I don't want to jinx myself. I got you. Um, but just to have uh, God have that affirmation mm -hmm. that, you know, there is a place for you somewhere else. There is an adventure coming. And I'm not quite sure what all that adventure entails yet. I don't even know where I'm accepted to or not accepted to yet. And so it's a weird time because everything in my life has always been so scheduled. Mm -hmm. Everything has been, you do this pageant, you do this appearance, then you do this work assignment. And I told my amazing advisor, Dr. Carmack, that my biggest challenge this year has been one, procrastination, because I've never had the opportunity to procrastinate before. And the second biggest <laughs> challenge is just putting my faith in God and just applying to the programs that spoke to me in Baltimore, which, by the way, were none of my th top three anyways, yeah. coming in and just waiting. I'm in this weird season of waiting right now. And that's something that I've never had to experience before. So I love your outlook, that idea of uh, the adventure of it. It's like life is a book, and sometimes we have this idea that we are the author of our own book, and we are right. not. Right. It is being written uh, by the author of life. Mm -hmm. We just have to surrender to his lines, but just the, that's an exciting place to be. Yeah. Uh, a little daunting. It is. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, because adventure... Adventure involves a lot of elements. The unknown, sometimes it involves additional trouble, right. obstacles, uh, opportunities. Mm -hmm. So it's just a good, fresh approach to look at it in that you, went, you hit on the, the theme of waiting. Yes. Because, <laughs> you know, to, to be still. Yeah. That's a huge theme in my life. Yes. And um, it, that's, a, that's one of the hardest disciplines. Mm -hmm to settle into yes because it seems so much like inactivity when in actuality if you do it god's way it is very full yes of activity yes and uh, so good it is. good insight thank you i uh, appreciate it it's, yeah. it's been an interesting year to say the least yeah um I ask you a question. As I was going over potential questions this morning, I, I came across one, and I don't think I've ever asked this question of anyone. But when I saw it, I thought, hmm, this sounds like the perfect question for someone who is used to being asked questions. Is it a political it, it, question? It's, it's not, no. But here's the question. Okay. What do you think is the biggest problem on the earth? So this is a question like I would get asked in an interview, possibly. Uh, gosh, I think loneliness is a really big problem. And I think that that stems a lot from not having those interpersonal communication skills and not using technology effectively. I know a lot of people in my generation specifically are in a season of loneliness, not because they realize it, but because they're scrolling and they feel like they have to present something that's not there or they feel like their life isn't sufficient enough. 
in that too, I think we're neglecting our personal relationships a lot more than we really should be. Maybe that's because we're scared to bring up something that might cause conflict. Mm -hmm. Or maybe that's because we're scared of losing someone. But mm -hmm. when you avoid things like that and when you avoid actually seeking meaningful relationships with people, you are going to be lonely. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's, it's really troubling, especially because I am preparing for a possible season of loneliness because I don't know where I'm going to end up next year. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I wish that we would take more time to foster those close relationships with yeah. people. Yeah. It's a very biased answer, though, because of what I study. But <laughs> No, but you know, it's, it's your answer, and you gave a, a good answer. And so it, there's a, there's a follow-up question to it. All right, and during on. my quiet time this morning, this, these two questions hammered me, mm -hmm. even though they were written in a book, that, a notebook that I had put aside, and I wrote the questions down, but when you write something down, you forget it. And first question, what do you think is the biggest problem on the earth? You answered loneliness. My next question is, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Um, well, me personally, I've actually recently set alarms for my social media, mm -hmm. and so I only allow myself 30 minutes of social media time a day, which is really challenging because I find that that's the first thing that I pick up in the morning, mm -hmm. and it has been so freeing to put down my phone and actually have a conversation with my roommates who are both undergrad students, which is really interesting to go through their struggles and their problems. Beyond that, I find myself picking up the phone and calling people more, FaceTiming my friends that have moved away. Um, I talk to my mom on like a daily basis, but you know, even those little things, it reminds me that, you know, sometimes if I like a picture of you on Facebook, that means nothing. Mm -hmm. But if I pick up the phone and call you and say, I really love that picture, that really made me think of you, how are you doing? That it cultivates this relationship that wouldn't be there otherwise. And I would love to share that with every single person, but I know it can be really tempting to not do that because it is so addicting to just keep those relationships going online when really it's it's not enough. Yeah, yeah. That's rich. That's Thank good. You. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, we measure ourselves often by how many friends do I have on Facebook, but how many intimate, close friends do you have on Facebook? How many of those number would you call in the middle of the night? Yeah. Or how many of them are calling you? Right. Uh, and it's always good to be the one. To me, it's always be good to be the initiator in those yes. relationships. Yes. And I don't know if you're familiar with the love languages mm, type yeah. thing, yeah. but yeah. I am not a words of affirmation person. That's something that I really struggle to do, but I realize that a lot of people are mm -hmm. words of affirmation people. So that's something that I've been trying to work on is instead of just thinking about someone and thinking, oh, I wonder how they're doing, I try to tell myself, text them, you know, even if they're busy. It'll mean so much more if somebody says, hey, I was thinking about you. How are you? Uh, just something simple like that is something that I'm really trying to work on. Yeah. I know scripture says a woman may plan her course, but the Lord determines her steps. Nevertheless, where do you hope to be in 10 years? 10? Yeah, 10. Oh, gosh, that's kind of crazy to think I'll be in my 30s. 33. Ah! That's Jesus's year. You know? Whoa. The Jesus year. 33. Um, yeah. Well, I I won't graduate with my doctorate until I guess I'm 27. Okay. Oh, it's not so, all. My goodness. Yeah, so I'll be kind of fresh on the market, I guess. I academia can be very complicated. Uh, there are politics involved in academia a lot, mm -hmm. which I hope no 
people are listening that would fault me for that, but it is true, just like with any There's politics everywhere. Yes. I, I'm aware that the process to get tenure is very strenuous. Mm -hmm. I've recently been looking at more teaching-focused jobs, which can be a really taboo topic in academia. Mm -hmm. A lot of people in academia expect you to be more research-focused. I'd really like to go to more of a teaching-focused school, but what I would really love to do is teach by contract for a few years. So usually those contracts run three years, and then you either get recontracted or you go somewhere else. Okay. And depending on whether or not I have a potential spouse, which at the rate we're going, it doesn't look like it, but uh, you know, what can happen in 10 years, we don't know, but I would love to just teach by contract for a few years and travel around and get that experience uh, before I settle down in one place and go for tenure because I know that, that can be so strenuous, but okay. I, I love going to new places. I, I love seeing new people and uh, being able to teach people from mm -hmm. different places in the country or even the world. I would love to teach abroad. For at least a few years uh, that would be ideal but I'm not counting on it because yeah. I know a lot can happen in 10 years yeah. Wow yeah as I have heard Mark Batterson say and he got this from his grandmother you sometimes always never can tell yeah and that is life yeah and so yeah that's and I, I predict 10 years from now you're going you and your spouse are going to be listening to this podcast if it's still available and laughing at the comment you just made yes but that's probably. my prediction my so. mom always I always say I'm gonna be alone forever and she's like no you're not no you're not so we'll see but I I'm really enjoying this season of yeah. singleness I know it sounds crazy no, because, it doesn't. It doesn't. Well, I'm glad because it's, I was telling my mom, she's going to kill me for saying this. She's going to listen to this and be mortified. But I was telling her, I love being able to eat in my bed and get crumbs in my bed and not have to worry about someone, you know, like judging me for it or something. And I can just, you know, lay in my bed and do my own thing. <laughs> so she's going to be mortified. I'm sorry, mom. I'll help her. Uh, you know, it reminds me of one of my worst corny jokes that I can remember. Oh, this is a dad joke. You know, Confucius say man who or woman who go to bed with crackers have crummy sleep. So yes, that's, that's terrible. I try not to eat crummy things, but when you're hungry, you're hungry. In college, sometimes it's at one o'clock in the morning writing an essay. So yeah. you just never know. Yeah. <laughs> go from that to a, a question that just popped into my mind and I frame it this way uh, what have what have the Jesus moments been in your life mm -hmm. so there have been so many obviously what's the, what's the first one the first one that came to my mind so recently you know college is a unique time in Christians life mostly because it's the first time that they have to choose to go to church by mm -hmm. themselves and I think that can be a lot more challenging for people uh, than people often think it's going to be, especially when you're staying up until 1 a.m. writing that essay. But I have encountered so many different people from so many different places with so many different beliefs. Mm -hmm. And that was, and it still is, really challenging as a Christian in somewhere where it's 60% out of state. And mm -hmm. I, I do have professors that are atheists, and I do have uh, friends that would not even consider going to church. And I really struggled to understand my own beliefs that might detract from uh, very traditional views of Christianity. I don't know how to ex explain that, but uh, things like the relationship between science and God. I mm -hmm. think that's a really special relationship that uh, some people disagree on, and that's mm -hmm. fine, and we don't have to get into all of that because it would be way longer than an hour. Second podcast. But yes, yeah, yes, let me know. But 
I started listening to um, the Liturgist podcast, mm -hmm. uh, which is a podcast about the relationship between science, art, and God, and mm -hmm. uh, that really helped me understand that you know, the biggest thing is to just love people. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, that doesn't matter if that's the person at First Baptist Church in Prattville, Alabama that might see a different relationship with science and God that I do, or it might be my atheist professor. Mm -hmm. It's my, my job is not to uh, Bible thump them. My job is not to condemn them. My job is to love them unconditionally. Yeah. And that's how you show Jesus in people because that's what Jesus did on earth. Yeah. And uh, that was just a really powerful moment. It probably happened, I mean, not even a year ago. Just I just had this overwhelming feeling that I don't have to worry about these things. That's not my job. <laughs> that's God's job to do all of that. My job is to just love unconditionally. Yeah. 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 That's what they're going to take note of mm -hmm. first. The love of God, the love of Jesus shining through us over our theology yeah or you know how we think we've got everything figured out mm -hmm. and, and god just looks at us sometimes and goes really you think that's it yeah uh, so yeah. what's your favorite scripture oh man oh gosh um i i love we've already talked about this but be still and know that i am god it's Psalm 46, right now, 10. yes that's my season right now um but I also, I love reading Revelation. I know that sounds crazy, but I, I think it reads so much like almost a fiction book at times mm -hmm. and realizing just how powerful um, our history is going to be mm -hmm. once it is completed. I think it's really interesting. And uh, Revelation is just an, an adventure tale of you know what's to come. Yeah. And I think that's exciting to keep our sights on what's to come. Uh, I remember reading Revelation as a book itself with my family mm -hmm. back in, seventh or eighth grade no maybe a little bit younger than that and just being amazed by um, just the bible in itself uh the podcast that i mentioned earlier mm -hmm. has been talking a lot about the bible and how uh you know we should look at it as a collection of narratives from people experiencing the same thing mm -hmm. and really acknowledging how the different authors come together to mm -hmm. share this really cohesive story and I think a lot of times we think of the Bible as you know well where does it contradict or where does it do this or where does it detract and at the end of the day it's a really beautiful collection of stories mm -hmm. that somehow reflect accuracy and yeah. it's amazing it's it's really beautiful so I've kind of been looking at the Bible in a different way since then um, just in terms of scripture and looking at it and its unique perspectives of every different author yeah yeah, it's, 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 it's a tapestry mm -hmm. uh, and, and a, a redemption story. And you go back to Revelation, here's John exiled on the Isle of Patmos, and he's experiencing this vision. He's having his mind blown back, and he's just grasping at words to try to interpret what he's seeing. Yeah. And uh, sometimes folks want to read that so literally. And right. It's like, my goodness, you, you just, the figurativeness, the imagery in this. Mm -hmm. It would be like me trying to explain something I've never, ever witnessed before. Right. And to put it in words, in a language I'm not even familiar with. Mm -hmm. And uh, and yet under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, He's able to do that mm -hmm. and give us, you know, what He gave us. And, yeah. and you know, there's some of it just very... Yeah, that's exactly what it is, but then there's so much there. Uh, what feeds your heart? We are, we are, we, we fed our, you know, we fed yes. our, we had our comfort food now, but what yeah. feeds your heart? What feeds your soul? Mm -hmm. 
when you're not being a student or not studying or working on a dissertation? Yeah. So, um, well, recently, I'm not really big into the Enneagram personality test, but that's a really big one right now. What's your number? So I'm a two. I'm a you're helper. A two. Yes. Okay. And I, some of my friends disagree with me and think that I'm a five. Okay. Um, but I'm not quite as isolated as fives. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm a two, the helper. And it's funny because I told myself, no, I'm not a helper. I'm not a helper. And then I thought about it. Well, I want to be a teacher. First of all, um, I love the community service that I've gotten to do. And one of the things that I've really sought joy in is I have a really bad habit of buying way too much uh, food at the mm -hmm. grocery store. And I love cooking for my roommates. I think it's so, I, I just love nurturing, I guess mm -hmm. that's the right word. And uh, my roommates, you know, they're poor undergraduate students, just like I'm a poor graduate student. But when I'm home, I love to be like, oh, what do you want for dinner? And I'll cook it for them. And I, I love, I guess helping people that need help. One of my friends called me today with a resume question and okay. that that's just one thing that I, when I feel like I'm doing something good for someone or uh -huh. that they take something away from me, I, I really, uh, I really cherish that. Okay. Yeah, I read last year, I read The Road Back to You by Ian Crone, which talks about the Enneagram. And it took me the longest time to figure it out because I went through and I read all the little descriptions and I just walked away going, I'm none of those things. Yeah. There's a little bit of me in every one of those things. And it finally hit me and, and I'm somewhere between a four okay. and a seven. Okay. And I'm probably more four because a four just thinks they're out here in their own little bubble anyway. <laughs> and a lot of things I do, I guess it's like that. You know, I have, yeah. I have a friend of mine who, who's, uh, who has labeled me as he's different. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'm like, well, that just makes perfect sense that I am a four. But yeah. I, I think I embrace the uh, the upper beat of four because yes. uh, yeah, I, I like melancholy. To me, melancholy is a good. It's not necessarily a morose companion. It mm. is. It is a. There's a lot going on deep in your soul and, yeah. and deep in. And to me, melancholy is where God plops down on your couch and gets real comfortable with yeah. you and says, hey, yeah, because yeah. he's always here. So yeah. I think they say twos at their healthiest think that they're fours. Which I think is interesting because I also can appreciate sadness. Mm -hmm. uh, my friends think I'm a five, which is the investigator. Is that right? Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm a nerd and I love school <laughs> and I'm crazy and I'm going to school constantly. But all of my school things are derived from wanting to help people. Yeah. You know, my research, I want it to help people. I love teaching because I like to help people. So it just makes sense. I've just stuck with two. Yeah. But yeah. I can see a four. Yeah. And, you know, seven is the enthusiast. Okay. And I'm, that's, you know, if I find something that I like, yeah. hey, everybody should try this. Yes. Like, you know, that's, so. Now, are you familiar with the Myers-Briggs? You know, I've heard it all my life. Okay. I don't know where I am on that. Just, but I, okay. I'm not, I'm not going back and reread that. Mm -hmm. So I'm very pro Myers-Briggs. However, it is contested in the academic community. So okay. people do not like the Myers-Briggs, but I love the Myers-Briggs. If you ever go back, I'm an INTJ. People think I'm an extrovert. I'm not. I'm an introvert, but um, INTJ. So if you take okay. it, let me know. All right, I will do. I think probably I'm I'm an introvert who, because of God's calling in my life, has to be an extrovert, and that's good because it's good to be. I love being with people. Yeah. Uh, I'm a people person, I think, on a certain level. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're just wanting to talk about the weather or, you know, sports or just, you know, just general stuff, I'm, I'm usually not your guy. I mean, yeah. I, can, I can find a niche. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, 
you know, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. Who inspires you, Braden? Oh man, there's so so many people. I I had a professor, which it sounds so cliche for me to talk about a professor because I love school, but I had a professor. Um, his name is Dr. Eric Peterson. And he was my history of science teacher, which mm -hmm. was a class that I didn't have to take. And I just happened to take because I had heard that he was a phenomenal speaker. Mm -hmm. And genuinely one of the most talented professors I've ever encountered. However, we um, started going to get coffee with me and one of my fellow students because we just loved listening to him. And he's so wise. And our last coffee date, I hate to say mm -hmm. date because that's not... Uh, the right term, but he talks to us about his journey to becoming a professor and how it did not even remotely begin with liking school or even wanting to become a doctor. Yeah. Um, but he just felt this calling one day when he was reading in a magazine um, about uh, genocide and he just felt so, you know, he was actually at a work meeting. It was a really important work meeting, and he just stopped everything he was doing, quit his job, and said, this is so much more important right now, mm -hmm. and went back to school and became the history of science teacher. Wow. So he is so genuine when he talks to us, and he's often told uh, Claire and I, that's the student that we go get coffee with him, that you know, no path is the wrong path when it's got the same end goal. And we might not know what that end goal is, uh, but at the end of the day, no turn is a wrong turn. It'll yeah. always get you in the same place that you're meant to be and that's something that's really comforting right now you know yeah. in this season of waiting and he's just one of the most inspiring people that I've ever met so genuine um, and genuinely so caring for his students I mean he teaches hundreds of students every semester and yet you know we'll ask him to get coffee and he'll drop everything and go get coffee yeah. with us, so I don't know who said this I wish I could quote tell you who said it but it's so true a good master never waste his servant's time. Mm, yeah. And so when we're waiting, you know, and under the sovereignty of God, mm. he never wastes our time. Yeah. Now I can waste it. Yeah. But he never wastes it. And so okay, in every season, wherever mm. we find ourselves, okay. Class begins. Yeah. What what am I to glean here? Because I want to be the best student of life. Mm. I want to be the best student of him I can possibly be. Yeah. So this has been a delight. I love this. This is so. Uh, thank you for suggesting the place. The yes, food was great. You're welcome. Uh, well, I appreciate you asking me. I'm really honored to do this. I've always wanted to be on a podcast, so you're checking something off of my bucket list. All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I, you know, I, I followed through again. You know, it's like okay. It to me. We're, we're rooting for you to win, but win or lose. Yeah. And I thought if she wins, it's probably going to be a whole lot harder to get a chance to get, <laughs> it get would have. Uh, you know, to get this opportunity. But I was like, you know, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to put my name in the hat early, so yeah. that you know when that moment comes. So it's just yeah. a delight, and I always look for for when something is God's timing, and mm -hmm. began to sense that right at the first of the year. I thought yeah. this is the time to do yeah. this. So. And it was the time to retire as well. You yeah. know, everything happens for a reason. And T.R. Pennington, our current Miss Alabama, has done a, an amazing job. We're actually sorority sisters. So That's cool. L.I.O.B. to her. But, um, you know, there are a lot of changes right now in that organization. And um, I'm glad that I've been able to move on as I have. And mm -hmm. I'm really excited to go and cheer on everyone this year as an audience member, which will be the first time. So. 
And that's great that you're doing that, to be back in the audience, yes. supporting something rather than, you know, moving on and doing something different. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot nerve-wracking. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I look you. forward to uh, cheering you on. Thank you. I look forward to calling you Dr. Lazenby. Oh, me too. Uh, uh, Hope I'm around, to, still around to be able to do that. Golly, God, I hope God I'm God. still around. No, you I'm not sure. <laughs> Thank you so much for Thank coming to the you table. So much. Those of you who are listening in, you know every Monday morning we're right back. The call is sent out around 7 a.m. Party of Redemption. Your table is now available, and that's a wrap this week, folks. We'll see you next week. Thanks. <laughs>